It is good to be with you today for a couple of reasons. One, I had to. It's my job, you know, pastor got to go to church and preach. Number two, I'm getting to know most of you guys now. Actually, I shouldn't say most, some of you. And it is a privilege to come and, and worship with you and pray with you this morning. Um, let's have a word of prayer. Is that okay? Then I'm going to share something with you. Our Father in heaven, want to thank you for today. Thank you for life. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you. Thank you that we could meet together in this place. And I pray now as we spend some time um, learning and sharing that your Holy Spirit may be present. And therefore, Lord, I pray that you may use me as your servant today, Father. And as I share some thoughts, that, Lord, it may be meaningful um, to those who need to hear. So, Lord, we thank you for today and thank you for the opportunity to be of service to you and to your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever made a bad decision in your life? Be honest. Have you made a bad decision? I have. Most of you haven't. That's awesome. Praise God. <laughs> or are you living the consequence of a bad decision you made at some point in your life? Okay, some of us. And it's okay to be shy. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to judge you. And maybe some of us have, are living the consequence of a decision that somebody else made. Are you with me? Like, I didn't choose to come to Australia. I came here at the age of seven. Dad and mum thought it would be best to bring me up here. And I went to school, and I couldn't speak a word of English. And it was very embarrassing. It was a terrible decision, I thought, at the time that my parents made. And so here I am, and I'm sorry you've got to put up with me now because my parents chose to bring me to this country. You see, this is a decision that was made. But I want, to, I want to start with this before we get into things, all right? I need you to know and believe this morning. If you forget everything else that I share with you, if you fall asleep in your, in your chair, I need you to believe and to know that our God is a merciful God. He loves you so much, so much that he would send his son to die for you and me, that we may, as a result of his sacrifice, Enjoy life for eternity. Isn't that good news? And you know, we, when we think about God, we think that He's not only just merciful, but He's also super fair, is He not? So we have this wonderful God who is fair at the same time merciful, who is merciful at the same time just. And then just in case we misunderstand Him, He sends His Son that we may get a good idea of His character and in doing so, we find Jesus Christ, who seems to be above all else, super merciful. And if you read the Gospels, you'll, you'll understand when I say that he demonstrates the loving character of the Father. Does that make sense? Okay, so some of you now can go to sleep if you like. But for those of you who would like to stay awake, we're going to do something a little different this morning, very quickly. Have you, have you seen the game show on TV? I, I don't anymore, but Family Feud. Do you remember that show? So I need two contestants to come forward this morning. Two people who don't normally come to the front. People who don't normally sing. People who don't normally make announcements. Just to come to the front. Yes, we have one. Please come forward. We need another. Just one more person. Don't be shy. I promise to embarrass you a little. Yes, my sister, come forward. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Gosford's Family Feud. 
Now the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the prize, I must say. Thanks for your excitement. It's good. It's, at least you are excited. Welcome. Um, and, the, and the prize, I must be honest and upfront with you from the beginning. The prize is, well, I don't have a... You can sit back down. I don't have a, you can sit back down. I don't have a prize. I didn't think, I, I thought of a prize on the way here this morning. I thought, oh, I didn't bring a prize. I don't have a prize. But just before we get into things, I want to introduce you to our contestants. What is your name? Donna. Donna. Donna, what do you do for a living or with yourself? Um, childcare worker. Oh, fantastic. Have you been doing that long? 11 years. Wow. Fantastic. <laughs> and uh, Donna, how have you come to be a Christian or accept Jesus Christ? Just a my parents, brief summary. My parents brought me to the church, and yes. so I've been a Christian my whole life. Yeah. Amen. But it was only through Cedric that I'm at this church. <laughs> okay, so you became a Seventh day Adventist? Yes. Through Cedric? Yes. Excellent. And what was that convincing line? <laughs> he, said, he said he didn't he want here? me to come. <laughs> <laughs> so then I had to look. <laughs> it's good to embarrass Cedric. Thank you, Donna. What is your name? Claudette. Claudette. Microphone working? Claudette. Excellent, Claudette. And Claudette, what do you do for a living or with yourself? I have a um, house cleaning business. Oh, fantastic. Yep. And how's that going? Very good. Praise the Lord. Have you been doing that long? I have, about five years. Okay, great. And are you a member of this church? Yes. For how long? Ten years. Ten years. Yep. Fantastic. And what brought you into the faith, if I can ask? My husband. Really? Yeah. Wasn't that one of those pick-up lines? No, there wasn't nope. actually. Oh, okay. So there's n the choice was mine. Fantastic. Hmm. So you, you, you read, you learned, you investigated and decided this is where it's at. Something like that. Yes. Okay, fantastic. All right, guys, now we're learning a little bit about our members. So I'm going to ask you guys a question, all right? And if you get it wrong, again, there is no penalty. And if you get it right, there is, there is no prize. All right, so we're just going to get started here. Um, <clears throat> I like you. And, and, and one at a time, okay, we'll start with the first one, to pick the top three worst decisions that you believe you think ever made in history. And we'll start with the first one. So number one on the list, top worst decision ever made in history. My history or in history in itself? Sorry? Not in your history, in the history of, the, of, of, of us, if you like. Worst decision. All right. And, and, and so you know, I'm getting my answers from a, a dodgy website. So I didn't... I didn't turn to the Bible, probably thought that being a, a Sabbath service would be biblically based. This part, not necessarily. So according to a very dodgy website on the net, what do you think the top number one worst decision ever made in history? I can't get away from my first one, which was condemning Jesus, but okay. just because we're here. No, no, that's... I know that probably isn't on the website. <laughs> you win, all right? You win. All right, think of another one. Another one. We're moving a little bit away from the Bible for a second. All the wars. The wars? Be, the wars would be pretty bad. Okay. Pretty bad decision, killing all those people. Yeah. All right, that's pretty good. What do you think? Um, slavery. Slavery. Yeah. Well, let's see what the dodgy website says. The Trojans uh. accept a gift from the Greeks. <laughs> Number one on the list, the worst decision. See, you told us it wasn't a biblical one. So, I mean, look, yeah, it's not technically, but here it is. Trojans get a, the Trojans get a gift from their once enemy for a long time. Like suddenly out of nowhere, no consultation, no peace treaty, they get a gift and they're like, oh wow, we're friends. And you obviously know what happens. Yes. All right. What do you think the second worst decision in history is? Oh. <laughs> Only three. We'll, we'll finish the three. I'm really bad at this. No, you're doing well. No, I'm not. No, no. <laughs> you're doing okay. <laughs> 
putting me up here. That's the second worst decision. <laughs> Sorry, that's a good point. Um, oh, can't think of one. Second worst. All right, let's go to you. Thank you. This is hard now because... Yeah. It's tricky. Yeah. It'd have to do with something to do with money. Something to do with money. Yeah, I think you're not far. What do you oh, think? Oh, that sounds pretty good. Oh, I'm just done. You're, you're out yeah, of this I'm one. Failed. All right, yeah. you will not get the prize. According to the Dodger website, Napoleon delays his attack to allow the ground to dry. Now, look, I don't want to offend any French people. Is Joel here? Look, Joel, this is not personal. Okay? <laughs> I have a bit of French in my background, it's not personal, but the French have something with their shoes. I don't know what it is. Napole we could all be speaking French today if Napoleon wasn't worried about his new boots. He decided <laughs> that he decided to delay the war because the muddiness of the ground would destroy his new boots. That's not a joke. All right, so there I you like have that. it. That's number two. I wouldn't no like to wreck my shoes. You wouldn't? No, no, no way. You'd no. wait. <laughs> I would. Wait until every other my enemy rocks up. My heels sink as well. You'd wait until everyone, every other enemy turns up before you do something. I'm with you. All right. What do you think the third worst decision ever made in history might be? Oh, Take a guess. It's completely random from a dodgy website. Dodgy website. <laughs> He allowed the tyrants to come to power like Hitler, Stalin. Okay, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. That's see, a very good see. one. What do you think? I'm so glad she came yeah, up she's here. Yeah, she's good. She's good. I'm hopeless. <laughs> Again, you might be right, but the website is dodgy. Okay. Dodgy. Yeah. Right. Oh. Take a guess. Anything. Oh, I don't know. I can't think of anything. Help. So, somebody call something out. All right, call we're calling a friend. a friend. Call a friend. Call a friend. I'm calling. Yes, is anybody picking up? <laughs> Thank you very Thank much, you. ladies. Thank Sorry. you for your time. Praise the Lord. Hey, listen, we're not going to have a political debate right now. But thank you, brother. That's great. According to the dodgy website, number of lifeboats on the Titanic came at number three. So thank you very much. And Pastor Nick, what a pointless exercise. No, not really. Look, I want you guys to think to thinking about some of the decisions that you may have made in comparison to Napoleon. Do you feel better about yourself now? I hope you do. And we've made some crazy decisions, but you know what? Sometimes I wish that I was a bit like a computer. You see, I'm jealous of computers. Like it's, it is designed to use algorithms. Right? And suddenly, you press a button, and the next thing that happens is a, well, a number of possible outcomes based on all the data that the algorithm is using. Are you with me? So simply, you can only have X amount of choices. And that might be thousands of millions, by the way, but there are only X amount of choices to choose from based on the data that you have. Here's the problem with me. I can be born into the perfect family. I can be raised as the perfect Christian. I can have the perfect parents, perfect peers, perfect schooling, perfect upbringing, move along, and still end up like this, an absolute mess. This is the thing with human beings. We are super unpredictable, are we not? I mean, all the algorithm, all the data can point to one thing only. He will clearly, most definitely, she will absolutely choose this path. Are you with me? 
And then next minute happens, and it's the complete opposite. Like, what happened? What's going on? And we know that there's an enemy called Lucifer who dwells around the place, who spends so much time working on such algorithms. And I believe, friends, though he's given us a hard time, we give him a harder time. I mean, you think 6,000 years later, he's worked out perfect algorithms to work out exactly what Nick will do any situation that turns up. And all that happens in Nick's life is what? All the things that he would expect until Nick chooses Jesus all of a sudden. Suddenly, it's an absolute mess, and you can just mess, and you can imagine Lucifer looking at his drawing and his, and his whiteboard and his, and his Mac, and, he, and he's trying to work out what went wrong and if I should have purchased a PC or something to work out why did Nick make this decision? We make some crazy decisions. I'd like to blame, I'd like to blame our old philosophers. I mean, we love those guys like Socrates, you know, and he was able to coach and massage Plato when Plato was able to play handball with Aristotle. And if you spend enough time wasted in understanding their philosophy, you come to understand this. Blue, the color, not how I'm feeling, blue may not in fact be blue. Blue, <gasps> blue may be a rabbit. I'm not joking with you. I'm not messing with you. This is their philosophy. Question everything. Everything has a deeper, meaningful, uh, a more meaningful meaning. Don't trust anything at face value. Know that there is something behind something. Here's another one. Right may not be right. I mean, we know that there's right and wrong. Amen? Like, yes, we believe there's right and wrong. But according to these guys, they lead you to believe that possibly, that, that, that somewhere in our minds, we might believe that there is no such thing as wrong, that there's only right and right depending on your disposition at the time of the year and the place that you're in. What a mess. And this just confuses the human being. This confuses me so much that now a simple decision that I need to make is a philosophical conundrum. It's like a philosophical exercise. Honey, are you wearing the red or blue tie to preach? Hmm. What does blue stand for? What will they think if it's red? Will they perceive me to be an angry pastor? No, I want peace. Maybe I should wear blue, honey. Maybe we should put the blue tie on so they think that I'm their friend. But will they think that I'm depressed? Maybe they think I'm depressed. And, and that's how we treat life. There are some basic decisions to be made. And it's a, such a mess because these guys have come up with great theories. And, and perhaps we just draw a little bit further away from Scripture where things should be quite easy. Choose me, says Jesus. And I have to complicate things. Lord, when you say choose me, what are your expectations? Are you asking me to choose you because you want me to worship you because you're a great God and you don't have enough people worshiping you on their knees? Or are you asking me to worship you because you know what is best for me? I don't know, Lord, when you call me, what to do with that decision. It's a nightmare. And just when you think you're old enough and mature enough to make the right decisions, 
you find yourself in traffic. Are you with me? Decision-making is a bit like this for us adults sometimes. We find ourselves in a traffic jam. Have you experienced one of those before? Be honest. All right, you haven't never driven. You probably observe from the footpath. But we're not happy about it, those drivers. And here we are in a traffic jam, thinking some amazing thoughts. You know, the brain is amazing. I mean, it's super innovative at the right time. And you get a glimpse of ingenious activity. And for some reason, we choose to ignore it. But especially when you're in a traffic jam, something like Albert Einstein comes to the mind like detour. Backtrack, backtrack a little and find a quicker way there. You have not moved for an hour and a half. And the mind is doing these wonderful things and you never knew. Like right now, you'd want to do an IQ test. But you do nothing. You stay there. You stay right there in the traffic because you think about where you've been. The hours that you've suffered in this traffic the time that you have cursed and said things and, and thought of things and, and the pain and the suffering that it's taken you to move 100 meters forward in the last hour. And you think to yourself, if I was to make a difference right now, if I was to detour from this path, I could end up worse. So I'm going to stick at it. Thank you, brain. Appreciate the advice but I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with my plan. This path that I'm on, though it's terrible, it sucks. It's not helping. It's making me feel miserable, but I know what I'm dealing with. In fact, that red car in front of me will be in front of me for the next hour or so. I'm not to expect a different color. I am comfortable. And we convince ourselves for some crazy reason that we should be okay with this situation that we are in. Let's continue to live it out. I can handle bad because I know bad. I know what it smells like, it tastes like, it feels like. I'm comfortable with bad. And there comes that saying, it better the devil you know. You've heard of that one before? And we're satisfied with that. Change hurts. Change is risky. I'd like you to turn um, to your Bible. I want to share a story with you about a, a situation that you might, you might feel it fits. You know, a difficult thing for pastors is to try and pull you know, really good verses from Scripture to support their uh, arguments. Not an easy thing to do, by the way. You've got to rely on the Holy Spirit for that. And as pastors, though we're probably not good at many things, there's one thing that we are learning daily is that we are not good at many things and we need Jesus. <laughs> All right? And that's what I'm learning with uh, folks every day. Here it is. The Bible, turn with me to John chapter 5, verses 1. And you know the story as soon as you open up your Bible. So for those of you who've read it before, you know the story. If you haven't read it before, you're going to enjoy this story. John chapter 5, we're going to start from verse 1. Let me know when you're there. After Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the uh, Jewish holidays, inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Beth Ezda, with five covered porches, very pretty. 
Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. That's a long time in a, one situation, is it not, friends? 38 years he had been sick. Verse 6, the Bible says, When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him a crazy question. <laughs> My Bible is saying this. Would you like to get well? How long has he been sitting there hoping for an opportunity for healing? My Bible says 38 years. These are not prophetic years, by the way. Let's not get carried away. These are real 38 years, the ones that you and I experience, unwell, sitting there, hoping every day that something will change, something will happen, that I may be healed. And here comes the Messiah, the man with the solution. And he asks a crazy question I never would have thought. <laughs> would you like to get well? It sounds good with an English accent, doesn't it? Would you like to get better? Would you like to change this situation that you were in? Now you'd think, duh, of course, Lord. What would you even ask that question? Do you think it's important to ask someone a question who's sort of been, you know, living and going through this rut for so long and, and sort of become used to it and isn't that traffic that is very comfortable, she's very comfortable with? Do you think it's an important question to ask? Would you like to get out of this situation? Absolutely. And at this point, one must make a decision. Am I, am I okay to continue this way much longer? And if I'm honest enough with myself, I remember the hours, the days, the months, the years that I've spent hoping, wishing, and dreaming of a better situation. But Jesus must ask. See, here's the thing about a loving father. He cannot force anyone to choose him. He cannot force himself onto us. And he wants you to make a decision. Are you satisfied, friends, with your situation right now? Are you okay with it? Do you want to get better do you want to turn things around? Would you like to experience a different reality? Most of us would like to think that we would say, yes, immediately, Lord. Let's not tarry. Let's not delay another second. Change my life today. It is yours. I was sharing with the youth this morning when I was um, spending a lot of time in the world, as some of us do, unfortunately, you know, we get these crazy ideas. And it came the time where I, I really felt that it was, that I had to make a decision to choose Jesus because the life I was living wasn't really good. It was making my parents unhappy. They were crying a lot. It was making a lot of other people miserable. They were hunting me down. It wasn't a good life. And I thought to myself, one must make a decision Perhaps this God my parents have been speaking about from day one. My mom has been praying for me for a while, and perhaps I should consider Jesus. And it wasn't that easy. You see, considering Jesus would mean something like, I wouldn't be able to, I mean, 
I mean, just bear with me, I'll explain, but I wouldn't be able to do some of the crazy things that I enjoyed doing. I wouldn't be able to have a life that was so carefree that hurting other people no longer mattered. You see, choosing Jesus meant I couldn't hang out with the people that I, who I liked so much. Choosing Jesus meant I probably couldn't be with a girl that I was, super, girls at the time, super attracted to. It simply meant that I had to change so much in my life that everything that made me comfortable with my scenario, everything that I thought I had control over, that made me excited from time to time and, and, and mess with my emotions that gave me a thrill, would have to be revisited, re-looked at, completely changed. And my cousin was living with us from Switzerland at the time, and, and, and we were in the same situation. He, he never grew up in the Adventist church or in a Christian church environment. He was in the same situation. He realized that we couldn't continue this way. And we both looked at each other, and I've got to say, praise the Lord right now, with cutting the story short. I chose Jesus that time, that day. My cousin didn't. And his excuse was what I was thinking the whole time before making the decision. He said, Nick, the problem with this is I would simply have to change all the things that I am comfortable with. And I don't think I'm prepared to do that. I don't know what you would have said in that situation. But here, Jesus tells us through the, through his, through the Gospels that this guy says in verse 7, I can't, sir, the sick man said. <laughs> his, his reality is messed up. I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. I want to change my situation, but I cannot. Because, because no one is picking me up and taking me to that pool that bubbles up, that heals people. And, and every time I want to and I'm on the way to do it, someone is ahead of me. I just cannot do it. How many years do you think you'd have used that excuse? Probably every week. Thank you for willing to cure me. Thank you for the advice. But I can't because someone needs to lift me up and take me there. You see, they're using their scenario. They're using the situation. I cannot get out of this traffic because there's a red car in front of me. Forget about turning left or right onto a different road. Are you with me? I can't, Jesus, you see, because my journey has been mapped out already. The only way that I can be healed is if these next steps are taken. Thank you, the God of the universe, all-knowing and understanding what's best for me. But with my intelligent mind, I have realized and come to understand my only solution is obviously if someone would take these steps and put me in that water. Have you ever done that to God before? The only way to change my situation, Lord, and we give him the options. The only way I can improve my situation, change my thinking, change my behavior, my attitude, change the way that I live, whatever needs to be changed, whatever decision must be made, the only way this can happen is simply, simply if God, steps one, two, and three are followed. Have you ever prayed a prayer saying, Lord, can you please heal me or do this for me? 
and you give him that one option that must happen for you to get that satisfaction. He has heard your prayer and answered your prayer. And we limit God. We put him in a wonderful little box and says, Lord, I know that you are the God of the universe, but let me just limit your powers and tell you the parameters in which you must work with to satisfy me, my needs. Do you guys believe that his way is not necessarily our ways? Do you guys believe that he can see things that you and I cannot? Verse 8. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. (laughs) 38 years makes a person doubt much, does it not, friends? 38 years of people telling you, why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? Have you tried just hopping on your left leg? 38 years of people telling you, why don't you try a stick? Why don't you try this remedy? Why don't you try that remedy? 38 years of different solutions, friends. Sometimes I'd imagine would stop you from listening to this man with a simple solution to his problem. Get up, take your mat, and walk. The the solution wasn't that, friends. You know where I'm going with this. The solution was faith. If you believe, stand up. If you believe that I'm the solution, take up your mat. If you believe that I can heal, start walking. You see, Jesus didn't say to him, let us go through a process. Let us go through X amount of things in order for you to start trusting me that you may experience my power and all the blessings. He simply cuts all of that out and says, believe, have faith. If I said so, it is good enough. If I'm telling you that I love you and I can rescue you, if I can change your situation, if I can organize a road that will heal and bring healing, that's enough. Trust me. Have faith. And the Bible tells us what happens next. Instantly in verse 9, instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Let's pause for a second. You see, with conversion or conviction and, and trusting in the Lord comes consequences. And they're not always pretty. You see, this man was healed on the Sabbath. God forbid somebody say mercy. He was healed on a Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders, according to the Bible, objected. And they said, who was this man who cured you? You can't work on the Sabbath. The Lord doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. (laughs) But he replied in verse 11, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. What am I to do? Any change to alter the course of the direction you are heading, friends, comes with some sort of difficult reaction. This is the truth. You see, we make decisions in our minds, but the rest of the world around us are still left behind. Does that make sense? See, today I've chosen to think differently because Jesus has given me the power to do so. 
See, today I've chosen to behave in a different way. And I believe that Jesus will provide the means and the strength and the wisdom to do so. But the people around me, for example, may not have had that communication between God and I and them. They're not aware that I'm working on something right now with Jesus. And in their minds, they're simply expecting you to behave the way you're behaving, to react the way that you've reacted in the past, and to be sitting there waiting for something to happen, maybe for another 30 years. So you catch them by surprise. Friends, don't be alarmed. Don't be surprised when you don't receive the reaction you're expecting when you have faith in Jesus. The rest of the world hasn't caught up yet. You have been behaving a certain way for so long, for 38 years not walking. Don't be surprised if people look at you walking and say, that can't be him. Don't be surprised if you're jumping up and down and doing cartwheels in in, in a street court and people say, that is definitely not him, it's someone else, it's an imposter. The world needs to catch up with you. Jesus will provide the solution. It is guaranteed to us through his word. He'll provide the way, the truth, and all of your means. It will take time for others to work it out, to accept it, or perhaps they will just reject it. Choosing Jesus, having faith in him that he will heal, he'll help you and work with you, does not necessarily mean you'll get Always a positive reaction. I remember the first time I changed my attitude towards my mum. I used to get very upset at my mum growing up. So I didn't think my mum understood me. I thought that, you know, being, being a woman and being someone who grew up in another country doesn't understand what I go through in life and in my schooling. So every time she'd say certain things and behave in a certain way, I'd get super frustrated and I'd react and say terrible things to her. Terrible things. I regret it. I used to cry when I would share this testimony. And um, the day, I remember the day that I changed my behavior. And I know my mom was expecting me to have a go at her. And then she would call dad. My dad was an ex-professional boxer. It was a scary thing. I lost half my tooth. That's another story for another day. I, would ex- I, was, expecting it to, uh, I was expecting it to react quite differently the day that I chose Jesus to enter in my life that I might behave differently. Because in my own strength, I cannot. I asked Jesus to give me the wisdom to do that. And he does. And I addressed my mum in something that I knew uh, she wasn't too sure about. And the way that I did it, friends, it was with love. I, I can tell you, I, I, I did it with all the love that Jesus gave me for my mum and patience and care. It was done in a soft voice. I can see myself in the kitchen standing there while my mum is holding a spoon and I'm sharing her something that was meaningful. And her reaction, no joke, her reaction was, she's about to hit me. And she raised her arm and on her way to hit me, no joke, she stopped. In fact, it touched. The wooden spoon touched. It touched my left arm. I can see myself in the kitchen. Bang, it touched me. But it wasn't hard. It was a different touch. You could see that there was a change in her behavior and attitude, but it still touched. And at that point, I could have cursed. I could have said, Lord, you see, I tried. I changed my behavior, my attitude, my everything. I tried. I listened to you. I trusted you. I tried. And you see how the world is reacting. You see what my mom is doing. There is no point. I could have done that. But here's the good news, friends. When Jesus begins to do a really good work in your life, 
He provides the wisdom to go with it. Amen? And I was able to work out this little brain of mine. So I'm not very intelligent friends. I was able to work out that there was a softer hit than the previous ones. And something was different. I was going to jump all over and tell mum how happy I am that she's a better person now. I was patient. God gave me the wisdom to be patient. I want my mum to believe, to believe with all her heart that Jesus had done something in my life. I didn't want to force that on her. I didn't want her to behave and to act and react in a certain way that would satisfy all the hard work I've been doing with Jesus. I wanted it to be genuine. So I was patient. I waited. And I allowed Jesus to continue to do his good work in my life. It took time, friends. Many years of doing silly things takes time to undo. And the more I, I let go and I surrendered to Jesus, the more I could see my mum changing her reaction and her behavior towards me. And today, I'll be honest with you, friends, I do not understand how it was possible for me to have treated her the way that I did. I don't understand what was going on in my mind that would make me react and yell, why couldn't I have just spoken to her though I was upset? I cannot tell you why. But for many years now, I know that Jesus has been doing a wonderful work in my life. We make some silly decisions, friends. I know, human. We make some bad choices, some of them lately, some of them years ago, and I'm living the consequences, some of them someone else made the choice, and I'm living their consequence, the consequences of their choices, that is. And through the whole thing, I need you to understand, according to the Word, that Jesus can save, Jesus can heal, Jesus can be the solution, Jesus can provide the answers. In John 3, 17, the Bible tells me that God sent His Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to what, friends? But to save the world through Him. Jesus did not come to make sure that we're ticking the boxes and therefore worthy enough to be accepted into eternal life. He came and sacrificed it all, risked it all, that we may have it through Him. And through Him means His strength. His wisdom, His understanding, His patience. He provides everything necessary to complete the job, to live the life according to His will. The decision that you and I need to make, I'm sorry to be so simple this morning, friends. The decision that you and I need to make is simply this. And by the way, before I tell you, I'm not expecting a commitment from you this morning. I'm not going to ask you guys to you know, confess or say stuff like, from today onwards, I'm going to stop behaving this way and stop treating my partner this way or my spouse. Stop drinking or stop that cigarette smoking or stop reading that pornography magazine, whatever it is. I'm not expecting you to make a commitment in your heart right now. I'm being serious. I'm not asking you to do that this morning. Not at all. But I'd like you with me this morning to pray a simple prayer. Lord, help me with my life. I didn't choose to be the way that I am or I made some bad decisions lately or in the past and sometimes I feel as though I'm living out the consequences of someone else's mess. Therefore, Lord, please help me to turn to you and to trust you, 
to trust that you will do your good work in my life and in my heart so that, Lord, despite the circumstance that I find myself in, I have peace, love, and joy. Will you pray that prayer with me? Lord, please show me the way. Here's the thing about God's love and his merciful character. He doesn't force his way into your life. It is the only important decision that one needs to make. Lord, I'd like to spend some time with you. Lord, be part of my life. You know, sanctification, friends, for those of you who understand what that word means, you know, the process of becoming a better person, if you like, is not your job. Isn't that good news? The process of becoming a better Christian, the process of being prepared for Jesus' coming is not your job. It is the working of the Holy Spirit in your life after you've made the decision, Lord, come into my life. Lord, start your good work in me. Lord, can I just reason with you today? And my prayer for you this morning is that whatever decision you have made now, yesterday in the past, or through someone else that you're living out, that you will turn to Jesus to start doing the work that he wants to do in your life, whatever it may be, and leave the consequences in his hands. So the day that he says to you, get up, take your mat, walk, it can be done. Not by might, not by power, but by His Spirit alone. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, Lord, I want to thank you for your Son, Jesus. And I want to thank you, Lord, that you're not expecting me to come perfect to you, Lord, after all the decisions that I've made and the things that I've done and been through. I thank you, Lord, that you don't have no expectation on me to come to you but as I am, Lord, broken often miserable, often depressed, in need of hope, love, and care. And I thank you, Lord, that this is how you receive me. And I thank you, Lord, that you go that extra step of working on my heart, Lord, to forgive, working on my heart, Father, to move forward, working on my heart to trust you with my life. Father, for some of us, I know like me, it may not happen overnight. So therefore, Lord, I pray that you may work on them in such a way that they may at least desire to turn to you to start talking to you about whatever it is, Lord, that is holding them back, that is keeping them stuck in this traffic of life that they are in. Some of us, Lord, have been privileged enough have made good decisions, decisions that you've blessed for most of our lives. And for that, Father, I praise your name. Help these people, Lord, to have the desire in their hearts to disciple some of us, to point us to you. Lord, some of us are in pain right now because of decisions that other people have made. And now we're living out the consequences thereof. Lord, I pray for these people these morning who are here, that they may turn to you as difficult as it may seem to change and to, cha to turn things around in their lives and their minds, I pray that they may simply start the conversation with you. 
and have faith, Lord, that you will do a good work in their lives. Bless us, Father, as we leave this place and continue to dwell in our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen.